Our scripture reading this morning is from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 11 to 16. Reads, so Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. Then, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open, and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. It still amazes me how God works, which is a pretty bold statement if you know my history. Let me introduce myself. I'm Solomon, the king of Israel. My father, King David, a man after God's heart and truly loved by his people. And you know, it's hard to step up into a job when your previous boss is so loved. The funny thing was, I wasn't even meant to step up into the job. I mean, I wasn't the firstborn. I wasn't even the secondborn. But God chose me to succeed my father and lead his people. He also chose me to build his temple, you know, to build a home here on earth for one true God. No pressure. (laughs) But you see, I grew up honoring God like my father. I knew God was real and he he was all powerful and loving. And I knew that if I had to lead a nation in the way which would honor him, I had to know what he wanted. I needed wisdom. So when God gave me the opportunity, well, I asked for it. Do you know that saying uh, about being careful for what you ask for? Uh, Well, uh, God doesn't give gifts in small doses. So when I asked for wisdom, boy, did I receive it. You know, I, I began to understand things, like really see. I, I, I would explore and study and I read and I learned and it became a thirst for me that if I just found out about something I had to learn more you see, and I used that knowledge so that I could I, I, I could rule justly and bring fairness back to our courts and advance our nation financially so that Israel would be the people that God wanted us to be and God didn't stop there I mean other rulers arrived kings and queens traveled great distances to come and see my kingdom they wanted to hear me speak. They, they, they quizzed me and they wanted to learn from me. They brought exotic gifts for his temple and they left with the respect of my knowledge and the God that gave it to me. Well, and I always knew it wasn't mine, but I always tried to point others in the direction of its source. But I wasn't always successful. It, it, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to always be thankful when you have everything that you've ever wanted right there on your fingertips. 
And when there are nations that are worlds away that are admiring your affluence, it's really hard to stay humble. And as far as God honoring decisions, well, when you start to lose count of how many wives you have, you start to realize that even the wisest king can make the most unwise decisions. But I never lost the desire to learn. Sometimes it's disheartening. Did you know that no matter how much good you do, there will always be situations where evil wins? And no matter how often you tell people that God is real, they will become distracted and turn away from him. But did you also know that God is always faithful? It's true. I, I've experienced this firsthand. I have uncovered more knowledge in my time, more than anyone before me. And these things that I've discovered, well, they're new and exciting. They're different. But the God that created it all, he never changes. And really, that's all the knowledge you need. Solomon, would you stand with me, first of all, before we begin? Lord, uh, we're so thankful to be here this morning uh, to enter into worship and praise of you. Thank you for being in our midst. We know you always are. Your word says where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are. But we really do welcome you. We just are so grateful that you're here. And we know that you have something for us this morning. But I would say, Lord, most of all, may we have something for you. May we give you the praise and the glory and the admiration of our hearts. So we, we come, Lord, to this passage of Scripture. We ask you to open it for us. We ask that, Lord, you would bless it and thank you that it's your word and it's still alive today, 2015, and relevant to where all of us are at. So, Lord, help us to see that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, if you've recently joined us at uh, TCC or uh, maybe you've been away for a good part of the summer, we're all coming and going, you may or you may not know that we have been... Uh, uh, polishing the image, I guess, of some Old Testament men and women. And uh, I've enjoyed the study. Uh, it particularly is a, is a challenge to uh, try to condense someone's life into 30 minutes on a Sunday morning and, uh, and the impact that they've had upon their particular generation. Uh, so we've been doing this series called uh, Courageous Faith. Uh, we conclude next week, uh, Pastor Norb uh, comes up to the pitcher's uh, box tomorrow, uh, next Sunday, and he's going to take a light look at the life of Elijah. And that's a wonderful story as well. So, uh, and then that will conclude and we will go into a September series. Last week we were thinking about David. And if you recall, as David comes to the end of his life, the twilight years of his life, he's very mindful of the fact uh, that his desire to construct the temple was not to be. I mean, that was his heart, but that was not to be his mandate. 
although he desired it to be so? The Lord said no to David on that score and told him that it would be built by his son. David, I'm sure, was very disappointed, but he took it well. Uh, and as he was walking off the stage, he reminded that little group of leaders and family, a probably large group of 500 people or so, that he felt terrifically blessed by the Lord and that the Lord had allowed him to be so part, so part of so much in his lifetime. And I think that's awesome because you may have aspirations in some areas and perhaps it hasn't worked out just quite like you had hoped it would work out. What a wonderful attitude when you can take the high road and say, God, but I'm thankful for the way you have guided me and uh, you have been faithful to me and you have directed my pathway all of my life and for that I'm grateful and my life has been so rich. So Solomon ascended the throne of his father David and he came to the throne not through selfish ambition and not through the desire to climb the ladder uh, to get past the rest of his many siblings but he ascended the throne by the sacred anointing of God. God called him and God wanted him to be the next king on the scene. So let me ask you this. If you could wish for anything in the world, anything in the world, what would it be? Oh, that's a question. Honest question. Some people wish they had different abilities. I mean, I wished as a young boy growing up, 10 years old, uh, and I was watching the crew doing repair work on a road near to us, way out on the farm east of Huxley, and I wished to be a gravel truck driver. That looked like the most glamorous job in the world. And I saw those trucks coming down the road, the dust of flying, over the hill they would come and down and they were driving. And I thought, what could be better than driving a big truck like that for the rest of my life? Until one day my favorite and only Cocker Spaniel dog and I walked down to the mailbox on the four corners where we met the school bus. And my little dog was anxious to run ahead and when he saw the gravel trucks he thought it would be a good idea to chase them. Show them who's boss. Well that proved fateful for my little dog as it got ran over that day. And in order to end its misery, a gravel truck driver had to end its life with a few strategic blows from a tire wrench. In my viewing, suddenly my desire to be a gravel truck driver left me. I hated gravel truck drivers. And I've never wanted the job since. Others wish for a change in their life circumstances. There's something that they have that they wish they didn't have. Or something they don't have that they wish they did have. What would your wish be? If you could wish for anything in the world, what would it be? About 10 years ago, there was an interesting uh, television program called Three Wishes. Do you remember it? Anybody remember that? Uh, the producers of the program asked that, that question in small towns across the country. Then in each heartwarming episode, 
the producers made wishes come true, choosing three people to receive the one thing they wanted more than anything else in the world. And their big question was this. If you had one wish in the world and could ask for absolutely anything from the heart, what would it be? And the television producer said that money was no object, which may explain why the show was canceled after only one season. <laughs> but what if your biggest wish really could come true? What would be your wish? Now, allow me just to take a slice from Solomon's life. There are so many slices, but he wrote so much. He did so much. His accomplishments were so amazing. I mean, he is awesome. And he's disappointing. He is incredible. He's sad. But just one slice this morning. And it helps to see it in three parts. The big ask, the big celebration, and the big visitor for those of you who are linear thinkers. The big ask. 1 Kings 3.3 says that Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David. And Solomon's love for the Lord was demonstrated through his generosity. He genuinely worshipped God through offering and sacrifices. 1 Kings 3.4 says that the king went to Gibeon, so the, the king went there and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings which probably doesn't impress us because we don't know all about that process and we don't know all that was involved. That's, but, but if you can cut through the culture and, and you can cut through the Old Testament practices, it simply meant this, that Solomon demonstrated his heart for God through all these sacrifices. God saw the love in this man's heart. And when Solomon made his sacrifices, God appeared to him. And spoke with him. Verse 5 of chapter 3. See, when you take the time to, to be with God. And just honor him. And just spend quality time with him. God sees it. And he senses your heart. And he responds. I mean, I think it's easy to put God on schedule. And we only have so much time and we have to move on. And God, you know, you're part of the schedule. And it has to happen in this period of time because... Really, we've got other things. But our Father longs to talk to us. He longs to spend time with us. He wants us to hear his voice. And Solomon, out of his love for God and his desire to serve him, set up the conditions for God to communicate his heart to Solomon. He set up the conditions. And that night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. God did not place any conditions on the king's request, but simply invited him to ask whatever he wished. The incredible invitation, no doubt, was also a bit of a test. I mean, how does anyone respond to such a question? H how you respond 
says a lot about what's on your heart and what you carry as core to your character. But here's what Solomon said, and you have to love it. It smacks of humility and dependence. And God was pleased. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father David, but I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. Uh, and here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? It's a marvelous big ask of God. And God was pleased. God said, you made a great choice. You made a great choice. You might have asked for, for wealth. You might have asked for a long life. You might have asked for the death of your enemies. But you didn't. You asked for wisdom. And show, that shows the awesome heart that you have. And Solomon, to his credit, when he prayed, he understood that he was talking to God. And he had a clear perspective on the greatness of God. It's a reminder that we should always start to pray about something, whatever it is, by acknowledging that God is God and that he is our God and that he's at work in our lives and that he is sovereignly in charge and he has the power. And when we come to pray, come with the perspective of the greatness of God. Remember, you're not praying to a tiny little God. You're praying to the Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And then secondly... Solomon came recognizing his own limitations. He was doubtful of his own abilities. And when he calls himself a little child, he means he's inexperienced. And he's therefore dependent upon God to give him the help he needs. So he comes to God humbly, and he comes to God recognizing his limitations and his inadequacy. And I think all of us probably could bring to mind some experiences where we needed God so much to see us through. Anybody ever been there? It's like, I'm pretty desperate. We're, I'm out of my comfort zone. When Marg and I uh, started pastoral ministry quite a few years ago, we were kids, honestly. We were kids. We pulled a U-Haul across Canada to a place that was totally new to us, near to the capital of our country. We had no experience, none whatsoever. I completely baffled the search team, and they accepted me as their pastor. They had no idea. I had only preached a few sermons in my life. I had never done a funeral. I had never sat in a board meeting. Can you imagine? They didn't know the rookie they were getting. I can't tell you how inadequate I felt. The only thing I had going for me was that I was naive. And it's a wonderful quality. And it's still a quality in my life. And I understand Solomon. I understand his cry for wisdom. I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. But friends, what a good model for us, this man Solomon. So when you find yourself with water rising up to your neck, 
and you wonder what to do, begin with the character of God and His saving work. Begin by trusting an awesome, sovereign God into your situation. Just acknowledge that you have someone on your team that is bigger than you are. And just ask Him. Because He's bigger than you are. Just ask Him. And then ask God for the wisdom we need to serve Him well in whatever He has called us to do. Because in ourselves, we're unequal to any of the responsibilities and challenges that, we, that have been placed on our shoulders. But we can ask Him to give us a discerning mind and an understanding heart. And you know, it's not about us, but it's for the good of God's people and for the sake of the kingdom. It's for the good of God's people and for the sake of the kingdom. So the big celebration. In the days that followed, it became astonishingly clear that God had answered the prayer for wisdom for Solomon. Oh, he knocked the ball out of the park on every important decision in his life. God blessed him not only with wisdom but with everything else. He blessed him with wealth and creativity and with writing skills. He had all the major skills, both the left brain and the right brain skills. I mean, he was just one incredible human being, plus he was the king. And he set about to build a, a temple. And if you turn to Second Chronicles chapter 7, you come to a milestone in the life of Solomon, the completion of the temple. This is the temple that his father had only dreamed about. After years of hard work, Solomon's expert craftsman tapped the last stone into place and hung the last wooden door. And all the lamps were hung throughout the temple and polished. Everything to gleaming perfection. Perfect and complete. It was done. It was beautiful. It was awesome. God's permanent house was now ready for habitation. It was a magnificent moment when the king and his people were making sacrifices to welcome God's glory into that new temple. And an army of priests carried the Ark of the Covenant into the Holy of Holies. What a moment! Something very important had been accomplished. God's house had been built. God had never had a permanent residence before on this earth. He had always lived in a tent in the Shekinah glory. It was a tent that could be folded up and carried from one region to another. His white shining light had always blazed into that space in the tent. But now he was to dwell in a house. A house expensively furnished. The smell of cedar was still in the rooms. I love the smell of cedar. I love the smell of cedar. And you could see the many places where the gold had been laid. And it had a beautiful luster. It was polished. The house was ready. Solomon already had his house at this point. It was called the palace. And it was beautiful, but not nearly as beautiful as the temple, as the house of God. And Solomon had a heart for God's kingdom. He was obedient to build the temple. And there were some great moments of worship as that temple was dedicated, when the people saw the glorious presence of the Lord 
filling the temple. They fell down on the ground and they worshiped and they praised the Lord saying, He's good. He's good. He's good. His faithful love endures forever. And they sacrificed. The people and the king made sacrifices to the, to the Lord. 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. I mean, it's hard for us to get that. To even imagine it. But just know that it spelled devotion. It spelled love for God. It spelled gratitude that God would live in the resident palace, the, the house of God that was built especially for him. And there was music. I love our music Sunday mornings. And the priests stood at their posts. And the Levites were singing. And they accompanied their singing with music from the instruments that King David had made for praising the Lord. Now, I don't know if you've ever stopped to look at this, but you've got to go back to Second uh, Chronicles 7 and sometimes just read it a little more thoroughly. It's about verse 6. King, King David had made instruments. I hadn't realized this. He had made instruments for praising the Lord. He was, he was creative too. And he made a bunch of musical instruments. And so now it was time to pull them out. And, uh, because he had invented all these instruments. So they were used in the praise of God as a celebration of this great day. And they were instruments of worship. And it was a celebration like no other. And it went on for a whole week. What a wonderful model for our celebrations. Singing, participation, prayer, entering in, everybody involved, celebrating God's presence, being obedient. There's so much for us to learn and to participate in. Some of you have been in the fr at the fringe this week, I'm sure some of you have. Taking in some of the plays. You know what happens when you go to watch a play? At each hour, the lights go up. The, the actors start performing. A prompter offstage whispers cues. And the spectators lean back and evaluate what that play was like. Yeah, not that great. Oh, that was great. That was good. That was awesome. But it's different here at church. No, 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 no. We're not entering into a drama. This is not a play. This is not a production. Church is unique. We're all the actors. The upfront people, they're just the prompters. Whispering cues as needed. I'm just whispering cues this morning. God is the audience. He's looking on. He's looking on. And our hearts are to honor him and bless him and please him. And thanks for being a congregation that enters in. Oh, you don't know how that blesses me. But never mind me. God, I'm glad we're not a stage with a play. And we've just got our lines. We're all the actors. We all enter in. We sing, we pray, we lift our hearts in praise. Enter in. We all do it. We all enter. And God is our audience. 
What if your birthday were coming up and your friends announced that uh, they were giving you a party? Boy, you got excited. You really anticipated it. And finally, when party time actually came, they never noticed you. You were off in the corner, and they talked about you as if you weren't even there. Eventually, you'd get the picture that they were just using the occasion of your birthday as an excuse to get together and enjoy one another. Do you suppose that's the way God ever feels at times? We just use the talk time just to talk about him a little bit. But mostly we came together to enjoy one another. Oh, thank God for what he continues to teach us. We want God to be front and center. There's no better way. We don't want to just talk about him. We talk to him. We bring to him. It's not so much what we get from him and from one another. It's what we bring. It's what we bring always, every Sunday. It's what we bring to him. We worship him. We honor him. We bless him. We gather around the Lord. We express our love to him again and again and celebrate his presence. Psalm 89.15 says, Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. It was a big celebration. It was such an awesome week for Solomon and all the people. And then at the end of the celebration, Solomon sent the people home. I don't know if he gave them brunch or not. He just he sent them home. And it says they were all joyful and glad because the Lord had been so good to David and so good to Solomon and so good to his people Israel. And they were glad. And so the big visitor, after the celebration was all over, and Solomon went home. Verse 12 says, Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I've heard your prayer. I've heard your prayer. No one was around. No more music. No audience. No one to applaud the presence of God. Just God and Solomon. Imagine yourself resting on a couch or being in bed in the middle of the night and in an unexpected way there comes the visiting of God into your room and you hear his voice as God says to you as he did to Solomon I've heard what you prayed I've heard you I've heard what you prayed and he said I like this place I like what you've done and I've heard your praise. And then he says something very specific to Solomon. He says, in essence, not all the future will be like this past week. Reality will set in. There will once again be the horrors of war. There will be breakdown in the family and in society. And things will get messy. But Solomon, I want these sacrifices, this worship to continue. 
in the hard times too. It won't always be easy. But I want you to continue on the way that you've started. And look at what the Lord says. He says, at times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. There, there, there will be challenges ahead. And these same people, Solomon, who have come and they have celebrated and it's been such an awesome week together, they will go through hard times. And when they face hard times, some of them will begin to drift away. They'll lose heart. Some of them will get skeptical. They'll compromise. And when those times come, I will expect four things from you and from your people. I will expect you to humble yourself. I will expect you to pray. I will expect you to seek my face. And I will expect you to turn from your wicked ways. Now, I don't know what Solomon was thinking at this point because there was no response. But I got to imagine this is pretty sobering after such a grand celebration because he knows mankind. He knows what people are like. He sees it in his own life. And he saw it in his dad's life and in his grandparents. He's seen life and he's seen hatred and war and relational conflict. And he's no wallflower. He knows where it's at. But look at the promise that God gives. If when you come to these dark moments and you humble yourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. It's a beautiful promise. And it's for us. When we struggle and fall, the Lord says, okay, get up. Get up. I still love you. I still love you. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek my face. Look for me. Look for me. Look for me in the crowd. And turn away from what you've been doing. And my eyes will be opened and my ears will be attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place for my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer. As we look ahead, you know, that's what God says to us. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek my face. Look for me. Turn from your ways. And he'll hear our prayers and his eyes will be open our, on our behalf. And you all know that we're praying these days for God's wisdom as we look to the future. We believe that he wants to lead us and have us kind of lead the way in planting a new church 
probably over in the southwest here somewhere. We're excited about it. We're really excited about it. We believe that God will put it on the hearts of some of our people. We believe that God will open the right doors at the right time. We don't have it all figured out. Nor should we. But we're praying. We believe God will put it on the hearts of some of our people. Not all. Don't expect that. But there will be some who will sense the leading of God to be part of this missional endeavor to reach more people for Christ. God gave some specific warnings of the repercussions of disobedience. You can read it in verse 19 and following. The uprooting of people from the land. Oh, and we know that happened to Israel over the years. And, and uh, the rejection of the temple. <clears throat> and we know how it was destroyed. What if God were to visit us tonight in the evening hours? Would he take us back to Second Chronicles 7 and remind us of verse 14? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land, their hearts, their family. We're facing an election in our country, in case you haven't heard. We somehow think that the survival and success of a nation is wrapped up in a prime minister. And of course we should vote for the prime minister that we think is appropriate. But President Dwight Eisenhower said years ago, never let yourself be persuaded that any one great man or any one great leader is necessary for the salvation of our country. You see, it, it's the people, really. It's the righteousness of a nation. It's people following God. And it's true for our country as well. Christians are a smaller and smaller percentage of this country. Yet we are like grains of salt sprinkled and planted all over this country from the west to the east. We're little rays of light set upon a hill. And God says to us who are salt, bite into that society. And he says to us who are light, shine into that society. Flood that area. And somehow God marvelously uses the salt and the light to make a difference in our world. He uses the salt and the light to soften the blows of a society that easily gets off track. We can't clean up our society. We can't order an edict from the Evangelical Church of Canada. Clean up this society. We can't scold our society into being different. Because it just doesn't do it. But we can be salt. And we can be light. We can take a look at our own lives. We can clean up our own hearts for the glory of God. This is not somebody else's job. I mean, it doesn't belong to the Supreme Court or the Parliament or the Senate. I say that carefully. It doesn't happen at City Council or in the polling booths. But may our ears be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as he leads us in the days ahead.
Solomon. Oh, there's so much more to be told of his story. I, I wish the end was as joyful as the beginning. Solomon himself began to lose heart for God, began to lose heart for his passion for worship and his obedience to follow. And that's a whole other sermon. But God called this man. And, and his is a marvelous story. He, he asked for wisdom and God gave it to him. He celebrated after the construction of the temple <clears throat> and the people basked in the presence of God. And he entertained this visitor in the evening hours and he heard God. And he heard God's clear direction for the nation, for all of us, for power and success for the future. Humble yourself, pray, seek my face, and turn from your wicked ways. And we hear his same word and for our hearts today. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. So, Lord, <clears throat> help us to ask and be bold. There are no doubt some people in our midst today that need to be bold. And just ask, because you're coming before one who is greater than you. So just ask. Ask in the integrity of your heart for the kingdom, for the glory of God, for how your situation could impact the kingdom. But just ask. Seek first the kingdom of God and all other things will be yours as well. Lord, you said that. Just seek first the kingdom of God. And, and Father, we're privileged to all be part of your worshiping community. And we're reminded today that we're all the actors and you're the audience. Oh Lord, help us not to, to come and, and, and fail to be part of what you're wanting to do. But we'll just drop all of our pretenses and just enter into being a part of your community, worshiping you. And Father, we're, we're open to your visit. We're open to your instruction. We're open to your reminder. Because we all need it. Any given day. To be humble. To pray. To seek your face. To turn away. So speak, Lord. Your servants are listening today. Lead us all along the way. Thank you, Savior, for being the leader. And uh, Lord, as you lead us, take our hands and, and help us to follow you obediently in Jesus' name.